Red Business with Ibeck, building a sustainable, competitive future in Cork business. Hi there, and thanks for joining us. Coming up on this episode, the West Cork family that's selling its fish around the world. And we hear from Ibeck about the changing nature of the workplace as we all try to get back to it. But our first guest is putting her design and business experience to good use, creating her own line of ethically produced and certified clothing made from 100% recycled or organic materials. It all sounds very, very good indeed. Angela O'Donnell, Creative Director of Yahoo, I think is the correct pronunciation, Angela, is it? It absolutely is, Jonathan. Thank you so much for having me on today. It's lovely to talk to you. What do you do exactly? I've probably given a very bad description there, but you might tell us about the line. Absolutely. No, it was really good. So, yes. So, Yahoo is actually an acronym for you are what you wear. So when I decided to launch this particular business, I really only wanted to develop products that were absolutely guaranteed to be made from 100% organic cotton or recycled textiles. And I suppose, you know, the reason for that really being is that there's a lot of companies out there in this space at the moment, but, you know, a lot of their products are only made from partially recycled or organic materials. And I wanted to bring something different that was absolutely ensuring and telling my customers you're buying what's on the tin, basically. <laughs> OK, so it's clothing. So what type of clothing? Sportswear, yeah. I'm presuming. The kind of the kind of stuff that, that is very popular now, but uh, would have been considered terribly immodest about 20 years ago. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, I suppose it's a new look now, isn't it? You know, like the way we wear our active wear clothing, it's not just to go to the gym anymore. You know, it's become completely everyday clothing. So basically what I've launched with is last December, we actually launched with a capsule collection, which was basically a small collection of sweatshirts and accessories for men and women. And then the rest of the product line. So they were casual active wear products. And then the rest of the product line is actually going to be launched this year, which is, to be honest, very exciting because some of the products in the lineup, for example, the women's wear leggings are actually a practically one of the first of their kind worldwide that are made from 100% recycled material. So it's quite an exciting time for us. Okay, now uh, we remember the ad, well I remember it anyway, you're probably too young, there used to be an ad about the recycled toilet paper and and this caused terrible (laughs) excitement uh, that, you know, we might be using toilet paper that was recycled, of course it was the paper that was recycled. So from what are you recycling the elastane and polyester? Are we wearing someone else's dirty knickers? (laughs) Thankfully not. Not yet anyway, but I'm sure somebody is working on a textile like it. Um, So basically... What it actually means is the the our component of our leggings, for example, that are coming out in July, is seventy five percent of them is made from recycled polyester and twenty five percent from recycled elastine. And what the po- recycled polyester is is actually retrieved plastic bottles, which m- most people know about and have you know bought products with a, a textile component like it. But it's the other part; it's the recycled elastine that basically people don't really have within the content of their textile of their product. That's the part that's really difficult to do. And that's why, Jonathan, it's taken us 14 months to develop this product. I, so, I, and um, I believe yeah. that a lot of effort has gone into it now to make sure that they are squat proof, yeah. Angela. Now, how did you yeah. manage this? Yes, uh, it's with a lot of uh, very entertaining, um, you know, like, for example, um, last night I was uh, been testing. I've had the leggings uh, final sample for the last month. So we've been doing a huge amount of testing. 
this basically involves a lot of very um, uh, women who are very open to you basically squat down somebody stands behind you and says yes we can't see your niggers so um, <laughs> this is basically what that means and uh, i had thankfully my very best friend last night in the gym she saw the leggings for the first time and i was saying and you know Nia, they're squat proof and they're this and she was like well go on so i said fine <laughs> so she she can confirm it well, i have to say that men have it very easy because we never have to worry about things like that yeah, uh, but i can yeah. see why you'd put the effort in so it's, it's a fairly robust material as well i'm presuming yeah, is it because it would have to be because you don't yeah. want to drip in after two or three weeks absolutely so that's the challenge really um jonathan with developing like this textile is that because it's made from 100% recycled materials, you need to get the thickness of it right. And also obviously the squat proof side of it, but it's the thickness and it's the quality and the finish. And I suppose like my background as a designer, I've been working in the field for nearly 20 years, studied for six years, had a label actually prior to this. So it's my expertise, I suppose, in understanding textiles, developing products and stuff that I've brought to this label and I think that's why you know I, we've achieved this product for example mm. so I, I'm hoping the customer will agree I'm sure <laughs> but will. we'll yeah. see it's a very popular type of clothing so it's definitely going to there's yeah. a market there and, and, and the green credentials speak for themselves you mentioned the fact that you had a brand before uh, I, I know that yes. brand clo- closed down I think in, t- in 2016 so this it's, yes. it's not your first go on the merry-go-round is it Uh, No, yeah, and perfect way to put it, exactly. So um, basically, I had a label prior to this um, called Angelo Beaumont, and that was a women's wear, ready-to-wear luxury line. It was actually an award-winning line, and I would have won awards in business for that myself as uh, design awards too. So it was quite successful in the sense that we had a very successful bespoke side of the business too, which was great. And the way that business ran, though, it was a wholesale model predominantly, which is completely different to the business that I'm running now. So it was very sad because I was about I was about four seasons in. So basically, I would have shown autumn, winter and spring, summer twice a year. And I was about four seasons in and I'd finally kind of started cracking the buyers. And actually, Barney's in New York wanted to stock the line. But it was that season of March 2016, after getting Barney's behind me, that I just... I sat down, had a really realistic conversation about the type of funding and backing that I would have required to take the label where I wanted to go. Because, you know, it's not a hobby, like it's a business, yeah. you know, so and I would have needed a quarter of a million and it just wasn't going to happen. I, I, so, I'm guessing, Angela, the way you're speaking, uh, that, that you've gone for the B2C model. So in other words, you're engaging directly with your consumer yeah. through your website. You don't have to worry about bulk. You, ha- you sell as much as you have. You take the money, move on to the next thing. So you almost control it more because you have your own website yeah and see the thing about um like b2c is this time is that the the i love the interaction with the customer and you know my customers would tell you that like you know i've kind of built you know relationships online through direct messaging and things like that i love talking to the customer about what they want why they want it what they need the clothing for and i suppose i'd be a real kind of people person like that so having that access to customers directly is kind of where I shine as I saw as a business owner but then also to be honest with you Jonathan I will be wholesaling a small part of the line and actually we have just secured our first online and physical retailer um so which is amazing like considering it took me two years with my old label and actually I've secured my first um I suppose retailer within less than two months 
months since opening. So it's great, you know. Yeah, well, I tell you, those squat tests came in handy because that meant to make sure <laughs> the product was, was fit for purpose and, and ready for market. Yeah. Is there, like, yeah. I, I'm interested in the in the design element of it now because I, I don't yes. know, I haven't seen them, but I, I can imagine what they look like. But colour-wise, do you get to pick the colours? Have you decided that? Are you following trends? How do you decide all that kind of side? Absolutely. So, like, I suppose, you know, I, you know, bringing my training from like I did my degree in Scotland. So we were taught to develop collections and co- conceptual collections. So how I designed these collections is um, obviously it's very different to, you know, the collections that were just shown in Paris Fashion Week, for example, last year during Couture Fashion Week. But so what I do here is I design the collection based on a concept or an idea and then I whittle it down to be more commercial. So, you know, you change the cuts, you change the tailoring, and then your color palette is actually based on the concept that you've come up with. Okay. So that's that's how you approach it. Um, but actually, you know, one of the products um, that we've developed in the last 14 months, actually, that I'd love to tell you about is actually, it's our first 100% circular economy product. It's 100% recycled wool, and they're actually made in the UK. Would you believe it? So basically what that is, is, is instead of, let's say, your old woolen jumper, you know, that you don't like anymore going to the landfill, we actually intercept those types of woolen products, take them to the factory, break them down and recreate this product to completely prevent these types of things going for the landfill. So that's kind of a long term goal with the business as well is that and that's why, you know, developing product made from 100% recycled materials in the leggings is vital because well, we want to stop things like that going ahead you know yeah it, it, in, a, in a world where ESG is going to become so important over the course of the yes. next few years you, you're, you're on the right track and I, I yeah. love the fact that Yahoo uh, as I was trying to pronounce it correctly at the start it stands for you are what you wear uh, so that makes yeah. it that makes it easier to remember the website which I have to ask you to tell the good people listening right now what is the website so they can peruse your fare Yes, so it is www.yahoo.com and on social medias it is at Yahoo Studio. So you'll find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and we should be up and running on LinkedIn soon. Yeah, it's Yahoo, Y-A-W-U-W. You are what you wear. It's very simple. Can't go wrong. Angela O'Donnell, good luck with it. It sounds absolutely fabulous. We wish you and everyone there the very best of luck. And uh, we look forward to seeing the the end product out for a run or out for a jog or wherever it ends (laughs) up. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for your time today and hope to speak with you again. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business. Well, it's been a while since we spoke about food, which is unusual for the podcast, so no better time than to bring in my next guest. He's the MD of Kyohan's Seafood. Coleman Kyohan, how are you? Good. Very good. How are you today? I'm very well. Uh, tell us a little bit about Kyohan's Seafood to begin with. We're a family-run business down in Bantry in West Cork. Uh, we also have a site in Cork City, which, which is where we started, actually. Um, we employ roughly 220 20 people. We supply all Irish retailers and, and we're expo- uh, a, a big export business now, thank God. So what kind of, I mean, is it a little bit literally everything in seafood? Do you specialise in certain things? I suppose one of, our, one of our skill sets over the years has been being able to offer a wide range of seafood. I think it's important that the customer and, and, and the public you know, have a, have a have a wide offering. So, we we do everything. We do salmon. We do organic. We do cod. 
Um, you name it, we try to supply it. And where are you getting your stock from? Is it, is it the, the ample waters off West Cork? Are, are, we, are we talking about uh, stuff that is caught in Cork, packaged in Cork and then sent out? Certainly a lot of it, yes, is caught in West Cork. Um, we're based down next to Castletown Bear, which is the main fishing port in Ireland. So we, we buy a significant amount of, of Irish seafood. But also, I must say, you know, products like prawns and uh, salmon, you know, prawns is such, there's so many varieties, so many different species out there now. So we do import um, prawns, we do import salmon and a number of other products. But where possible, we, we try to, we try to, to, to support local. Um, but yeah, certainly all our processing happens here in Cork. And you've been on the go since 2010. So you're a relatively young company, uh, set up by your dad, Mike. Uh, but you've had a pretty substantial growth in, in that 11 years. What's the key to success? We started with, with fierce drive, fierce ambition. We were lucky enough to have a fantastic team around us with vast knowledge of the seafood industry. Um I know we only started in 2010, but um, we have a vast history in seafood, um, from seafood shops to my father having being in the aquaculture business, to to our staff being involved in in the seafood business. You know, people living in Castletown Bear, people living in Bantry, people understanding good seafood, and that really allowed us to to attract the customers, uh, influence, influence the products, understand the products. So that good understanding of the market was, was crucial. And when you're looking at, at the growth, I mean, this Lidl deal gets you into a lot of new countries, doesn't it? So you're, you're not just selling it to the good people of Ireland and, and showing them the quality of your produce. You're distributing it to, to lots of other countries, the UK and, and right across Europe. Yeah, and uh, that that really, over the last number of years, has really helped us to to raise our profile abroad. You know, when you're supplying something into a, a German a German retailer, and you know, there's other German retailers looking at that, or supplying something into the US, there's another US retailer looking at that. So that profile, them giving you know, little supporting us in 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 other countries has allowed us to to expand our profile um, and you know it's been they've they've given us great business abroad but also have attracted other customers to us which which is fantastic the big challenge of course uh, in seafood is is the sustainability side of it and people the consumers becoming a lot more discerning is, is that having an impact on your product decisions and, and what you push into market it's really over the last three three to you know three years five years maybe that Certain um, sustainability has become a topic, um, and it, it influences every conversation. You know, from the raw material to the packaging, to the you know to the electricity, to to people in themselves. Um, so it's it's a hot topic. It's a very important topic, and your hands are a hundred percent bought into it. And, and little as a retailer, you. It's it's you'll see it everywhere. It's a big driving force in in every decision they make, also, which is which is a fantastic thing, and and something a company needs. 
as as, as its core. Yeah, it's 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 remarkable, really, how uh, it's become so important. We were just talking about it on the podcast last week. The the emergence of ESG and the S part being sustainability. Coleman, it's upwards and onwards. So, um, you presumably would like to send more stuff abroad. Have you a bit more capacity down there, Jonathan? I suppose we're a fan. Uh, you said it. You said earlier that you know we're there ten years. Um, that's been rapid. I don't think the next ten years are going to be any different. We're 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 we're, we're a company of of pushing boundaries. We have a team that want to push boundaries, and uh, that will continue to be the way. We're 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 growing capacity all the time. We're we're growing markets, and um, you know, exciting markets. The U.S. We're pushing that. We had a great day, year last year in the U.S. We're gonna we're gonna push for another. Great year of growth over there. The UK, it re, it is our neighbour, um, and with huge opportunity, a big population. So, um, two key markets there, and Europe is Europe is is also high on the agenda. Okay, well, we look forward to hearing more about you in the future, if that's the case. MD of Kyohan Seafood in West Cork, Coleman Kyohan. Thanks so much for joining us on Red Business, Coleman. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you very much. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business. Now, if we've learned anything over the last few weeks here in Red Business, it's that businesses in Cork are already looking past COVID and restrictions and all the things that have made our lives difficult for the last two years. But then to think about the other challenges that are coming down the line. And my next guest is here to talk us through some of the realities facing employers as they manage teams in a post-pandemic environment. Maeve McElwee is Director of Employee Relations at IBEC. How are you doing, Maeve? Hi, Jonathan. I'm good, thank you. It's good to talk to you. You're very welcome to Red Business. At new legislation proposes to give workers the right to request home working, and we've all got used to it, so it might be nice to hold on to it. What do you make of comments from the Thornstra about how employers should approach the issue? Yeah, look, I think it, it's, um, it, it's a big challenge for employers because it's a huge shift in the way that we've worked for, for many years um, and although we had already started to see this trend coming through even before the pandemic, when we were looking at recruitment and uh, retention issues, so flexibility was becoming a much bigger challenge. When we look at how this works, um, it, it you know I think we've we've kind of settled into this notion that remote working works really well; it's really productive. But in actual fact, what most of us are going back to is a hybrid way of working, and that's a really different prospect. And most of us haven't worked in hybrid environments. Um, Most of us haven't been trained to manage a hybrid working environment. And then we look at all of the challenges that come around just on the really practical aspects. So it's a great idea. It'll work for some. It won't work for others. It'll be really obvious where it may and may not work. But when we start to get down into the challenges around the appropriateness of the location that you're working in, the equality aspects of it, the occupational health and safety aspects, it's a really complex piece for employers to put in place. And and the challenge I suppose here is that we had a way of working that changed because of COVID and everybody worked from home unless they were involved in some kind of essential service. So we're kind of starting again aren't we? This is almost the third spin on the roller coaster to try and work out how hybrid's going to work. Yeah it really is and I suppose you know even if you take the, the the very basic piece we had lots of people who worked in really difficult circumstances in a remote environment because that was a public health guidance and that kind of trumped a lot of the other concerns that we would ordinarily have and the longer it went on the more employers became really conscious around things like well 
where are you working? Um, what kind of environment are you in? Are you sitting on the end of a bed, hunched over a laptop all day? That's not suitable. Now, with the, the restrictions lifted and no longer a public health compliance piece here, this now comes back to employers really beginning to say, hold on now, is that appropriate place for somebody to work? Is our data secure? You know, is there a file left uh, available for somebody else, perhaps in a shared environment to see? Um, because ultimately the employer bears the financial um, and the legal responsibility around the security of client and professional data. You know, is it even safe for a person themselves as an appropriate uh, desk and chair in ergonomics? Um, so lots of lots of challenges that are going to come around. So people who, who might very well be happy in the environment that they are, their employer may well say, yes, but outside of public health guidance now, that is no longer suitable. Mm. But we also have to look at the collective and that's where we start to look at things like organisational culture and how we work. But things like practical aspects for employers, we've got a lot of leave that's coming through. So we have all our statutory leave around parents' leave, parental, maternity, adoptive. We've got statutory sick leave coming this year. We've got work-life balance directive coming from the European Union due to be in place by um, August. Um, and and now we have this right to request remote working. But, you know, there are times when we have to have people on site. We have newer employees who are coming in who need mentoring, who need contact, who need that sort of, uh, you know, ability to see how things are done in a general way. Mm. Uh, that's really important to drive in the culture of our organisations. And what we're seeing from research from, you know, other countries already experiencing this is, if we want to recruit and retain, some of the challenges that employers face is people's connections to their employer um, are less secure when they don't have the kind of collegiate environment and the friendships that we, that build up and the turnover can be higher. Yeah, and of course, people don't like change, but we've all been forced to deal with change. It might be nice to get back to some semblance of normality. Speaking of things that are changing, one of the things that got headlines this week was the retirement age. Uh, still a good bit away from you and me, maybe don't have to worry about it for a while, but the Oireachtas Committee that was reporting on this said the qualifying age for the state pension should stay at 66. Now, I thought it was supposed to go up to 67 and 68 over time. What's IBEC's position on this? I think we would recognise that the, there are definitely going to be challenges to our ability to be able to fund retirement um, at the level that we are now, given the changing demographics um, in our labour market. So we know that um, all of the time that's coming through, we have a, a changing ratio in terms of workers to retirees. And, and that's just going to become uh, more challenging as time goes on. I suppose for us, in terms of some of those recommendations and, and a key one that um, came out of the Joint Directors Committee is the whole area of mandatory retirement ages, actually. So when we look at this issue for employers, um, it's a, it has and continues to be a key concern around managing people, planning, training and investment in businesses. So we had... Uh, we had um, in our engagement with the government, you know, always said that maintaining a mandatory retirement age and the ability to put that in place is critically important for employers. It doesn't necessarily have to be at any specific age. And in fact, we had suggested that it should be tied to the state 
pension age so that people would be in a position to avail of a pension um, when they would come around to their retirement. Um, so the age is, is much less of an issue as the certainty to be able to plan who are we investing in, how are we going to move people through, how do we give people career and development opportunities with some certainty of knowing when other people are going to exit the business. Mm. And also there's huge complexity around age and discrimination where you're trying to have those conversations with people to say, well, are you planning? When are you planning? How are you planning? And and how do we address all of those general issues? Because essentially now what you're doing is you're managing people out of the business, which is not really, a, you know, it's, it's not really inviting prospect yeah. for lots of people and at wh- the end wh- of their working career. Whether they want to leave or not. And uh, yes. right now, I'd love the idea of retiring to a beach when I'm 66. When I'm 65, I might want to keep going. Who knows? Maeve, we'll have you back on again because there's so many new things coming that we'll definitely need someone to explain them to us. Maeve McElwee, Director of Employee Relations at IBEC. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Jonathan. And that is it for this episode of Red Business. Don't forget, Red Business in Focus, our new video series, is up on the website, redfm.ie. Kira McDonough was the producer, and we'll catch you again on the next one. Get the Red Business podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business.